This is the Metaphysical Connections Paranormal News of the Week for November 18th, 2018. Jay Cousineau and I, Eric Render-Kingfisk, discuss Operation Choke Point, Google censoring search results for the Fedora Chronicles articles, screen time rewiring your brain, and China's artificial sun. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Go ahead and start the show and we'll start off with the uh, this whole Operation Choke Point thing, which I, I'm aware of the operation, I just didn't know the name. Well, this is, I guess November is going to be the month for government conspiracy theories. Because yeah. the first two shows that we've done so far is talking, we talked about how the FDA yep. has lied to the American people um, on numerous occasions about products that were supposed to be safe that aren't safe, showing mm-hmm. up in our food and um, killing off wildlife and basically wrecking havoc with the biosphere as it were especially in basically being evil bastards evil bastards all about well you don't care about they don't care about destroying the planet so long as they're making massive profits yeah so um jay and i are going to go off on the deep end and we're going to talk about a conspiracy fact as it were talking about a program called operation choke point which is a program that the federal government was running through the FDIC to shut well, down. Well, not just the FDIC, but other other organizations as well. Well, pretty much. And the, I, I yeah. think the Justice Department also had a role in this. Mm-hmm. And we have and on the our show. IRS. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have a couple of uh, links to the articles that we'll be talking about. We're not going to do the entire show on Operation Choke Point, but we are going to spend some time on this. And this is for the Paranormal News of the Week with Jay Cousineau. Um, for the week of November 17th, 2018. And we have on the show page various links, even a link back to another article that I wrote ages ago. Not ages ago. How long ago was my, my review? Oh, it was only two years ago. It's going to be say, th- it was more than a year, man. It'll be, three, it'll be three years ago on January 12th, my review of the movie and the book, The Big Short. Um, so Operation Choke Point, was a program that began under the Obama administration to cut financial services to corporations, companies, small businesses that are not favored by the Obama administration or the federal government in general. This program still exists under the Trump administration. Whether or not it's going to continue into the second half of his administration. Um, I think the the one article said that it was stopped last year. Okay. The administration. All right. So I so you read that in one article and, and all the articles that I was I was writing about how all the articles that I read is about how the federal government went after these corporations, these companies, then the people with these business models that a lot of people can shake their head and say, I can understand that like payday loans or check cashing services. Whereas it's like, which I think it's actually, um, it's actually important to point out that everyone thinks of these payday loan places as being um, nothing but predatory lending. And certainly it is, it's a business model that takes advantage of people's financial ignorance in order to make money. Yeah. So I think that kind of fits the definition of a, 
predatory lending. Right. However, um, I do know that there are some small businesses that depend on places like that to acquire loans to cover their own um, their own pay schedule. Yeah. So, like, say for example, I know a guy who does uh, he does construction. Mm-hmm. And there's been times when he's got, especially he's work when he's working on a project that is a bit larger than what he normally works on. He doesn't have the pay reserves to cover all of the all of the weekly paychecks of his of his people of his employees throughout the duration of the project. So, um, according to him, he's only done had to do it I think once or twice, and the longest time he had to do it was over two weeks to finish off the project. Then, once he finished off the project, he was able to pay the loan off, and it ended up working out for him in the long term. But um, it just is an uncomfortable thing to have to do. Yeah. Short term. And so, it's it's one of those things where it's just like, well, what else are you going to do? How are you going to get through this? How are you going to get by? Exactly. Without, and it is, and if, and if you have, if you've been broke or if you've been homeless or if you're between jobs or you're working um, for these small companies, that don't have the financial services of a large corporation. Um, they're they're nice to have, um, yeah. and the, and my dad used these services a lot when he was, um, tough on out on his luck, tough on his luck, and there there are places to go if you don't have a place where you can deposit your checks via a bank, um, and it's. It's difficult for me to talk about this because the thing is, is that on the one hand, I can see how how else would my father have been able to get by because he was a, he was a transient. He worked these jobs and he had nowhere to go to, to deposit his check or, or cash a check as he was traveling back and forth across the country, you know, um, living the, the Jack Kerouac's version of the American dream. Where else was he supposed to go? And yet, on the other hand, you look at a lot at a lot of people who they get into this loop, whereas it's like you start using these services because you don't have a bank, but now you have to use these services because you don't have if you don't have some of your documentation, as it were. If you if you if you don't have a valid driver's license, or you don't have your birth certificate handy, or your social security card, or anything like that, it's a place where people go who are in desperate need, and they don't have their documentation. I'm not just talking about illegal immigrants. I'm talking about people who are transient. And Well, I think it's also important to note that um, the nature of a lot of that is actually changing. Um, I don't know about you, but my bank is 100% online now. I yeah. use, uh, I use you know, a bank that was set up specifically for veterans, and it's awesome. It yeah. is an awesome bank. It has no brick and mortar buildings except for the office, the central office that runs it. There's no, it doesn't have any ATMs or anything like that. I can use any ATM I come across. Yeah. If they have a fee, I get paid back that fee by the bank. Yeah. So, I mean, it's on, it's wonderful as far as that goes. However, what do you do if you don't have an internet connection? What do you do if you don't have a means like a, like, like a cell phone yeah. even, of accessing the internet and you know, you can't deposit a check unless you can take a picture of that check, exactly. scan it in some way, yeah. digitize it. So, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, it's, 
these are things that we don't always think about and as as predatory as they are because i think it would be it would be misleading or disingenuous at best to describe them as anything other than predatory because they frankly are yeah i mean you're looking at these are loans that are meant to be paid off in weeks yeah and if you pay them off in weeks you're only paying maybe two to three hundred percent interest yeah and if you pay them off in if it takes you longer than say six months because of the way it's compounded say i think it's compounded daily or weekly depending on the nature of the loan you get you're looking at thousands of percentages yeah thousands of percentages so a ten dollar loan will cost you hundreds of dollars to pay back yeah which is absolutely insane it's insane yeah the mortgage on my house is less than five percent you know interest and and the thought of having a loan where it's in triple digits is just crazy it's insane so that's yeah. got, that's obviously predatory however comma um what business is it of the government to decide if those businesses should exist or not if there yeah. was a movement from the population to make such things illegal then i think the government would be empowered to act as our representatives yeah however that's not what operation choke point was about no it was it was first of all it was it was more than just these predatory lending things right so it's just the fdic is just absolutely reading this was really kind of eye-opening because i had always i had known about i had known about the legislation to affect these predatory lending practices but i had always thought it was aimed at mortgage companies at credit card companies not credit processing places yeah that's another thing that i that i read that and it was kind of like they can just arbitrarily shut something down not because it's bad or not because um they have questionable business practices they can just shut them down just because and they don't even have to give a reason why they can just well, say in, the, the fdic in the forbes article yeah. right in, in the forbes article they went out of their way because the the forbes article which i think is the first link on the page um they talk about how the fdic from the top down was very very careful to say we're in no official way that they were shutting these places down or that they were um encouraging banks to shut them down and get out of those businesses yeah, they're very careful to say the only thing that they were being denied was financial services from banks, even though they had a like legitimate businesses. And when they right. started, tar- and then when they moved on, they started targeting other businesses that were not banking institutions. That is right. when alarm bells should have been going off in people's heads. Right, which is like the the second the which I, I believe the second link, which is in the Washington Examiner, which yeah. is about. Uh, a guy who was trying to open an ammunition company that that built ammunition, right? right? Ammunition manufacturing. He couldn't process credit cards, yeah, because he, they were saying, "No, you're, it's you're in too risky of an industry," and he couldn't um, he couldn't get um, online presence because online companies, right were refusing to do business with him because of the industry he was involved in. Now imagine you're a small business owner 
who has a product that you can easily not only manufacture but ship throughout the country and you cannot set up an online presence in today's yeah. world. Yeah. How's your business going to even work? You know, and then they, they do things like this. And like in the case of the ammunition guy, he his business model had to adjust so that he was only dealing with brick and mortar stores and going to gun shows to sell his ammunition. And as someone who likes to shoot, I can tell you good ammunition that is not going to cost you an arm and a leg is very difficult to find. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's just, it's crazy to me. It's absolutely crazy. And then they'll say they want to shut down, you know, these these gun shows. And that's when you get into the whole conspiracy theory behind it, right? Mm -hmm. They want to eliminate the Second Amendment. Anyone who says that there's no one out there who wants to eliminate the Second Amendment just is not paying attention and I'm not going to have a discussion with because they were going to refuse to listen to any of the facts. Okay, there are people sitting in Congress right now, Diane Feinstein, Maxine Waters, these uh, Nancy Pelosi, these people want to shut down the Second Amendment. They want to completely and totally eliminate it. Um, what is it? The the Brady. Um, uh, the Brady. Yeah, the Brady bill, the, the, the Brady bill. But there was the, the organization that was kind of the, the moving force behind it. I just want to call it the Brady Foundation because I don't want to waste yeah. our, our listeners' time Googling yeah. it right now. But I mean, yeah, I agree, I agree. But, but they they have stated that they they their goal is to remove guns from the hands of private citizens. Now I understand, you know. Yeah, it's called um, the Brady, Brady campaign. Was, it's called the Brady yeah, campaign. Yes, the Brady campaign. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, I understand that they lost a loved one as a result of a guy trying to assassinate the president of the United States. Right. But what I don't understand is how they think that eliminating second amendment is going to change that. Yeah. You know, um, regardless, that's a discussion for another time and completely different show. But what kills me about all this is you have on the back end, right. Of the government in the bureaucracy, mm -hmm. you have all of these people who are frankly working hard behind the scenes to eliminate businesses they don't like right regardless of whether that business is tied to a particular right regardless of whether that business is a particular type of model um what it boils down to is do you want the government to be able to shut down a company just because they want to i don't because now if they can shut down a company yeah what's to stop them from going to say a newspaper yeah and saying hey you know that story you've got this reporter is working on this story this reporter has talked to this person this person and that person as they know because they've been wiretapping all of our communications for the past well since the it started in the bush administration but right no one's ever shut it down including trump um through the department of the homeland security Right, through the Department of Homeland Security. So they're they're tracking all of our communications. I can tell you, as being someone who works in the IT industry, it is very possible to set up algorithms that are going to look for patterns, and you just key in certain phrases, key in certain names, whatever, that you can put into that, and you can find out, okay, if you have so many hits on these particular topics or these particular names show up in your general conversations, you're, that's someone that they want to start tracking and keeping and keeping an eye on.
So it would be very possible for them to then go to a newspaper and say, okay, you have this person working for you. They are writing an article. We know the article is about this. They've spoken to this person, that person, and that person. We know where they live. We want that to stop. Yeah. And we're not going to, we're, we're asking you nicely to stop it. And then if the newspaper says, well, I've got my First Amendment rights, all of a sudden, you know, they're not able to process their checks. They, to pay yeah, their yeah. The, all of a sudden, ISPs are, are no longer, this is where net neutrality comes in, right? ISPs are going to be able to determine how much bandwidth people get. Now the government goes to them and says, hey, you wanted net neutrality? We gave it to you. Now the webs all of the traffic going to this website, we want it slowed. Just slow it down. We don't want you to stop it. We don't want you to violate any First Amendment, anyone's amendment rights. But take it off of the fast track, put it onto the slow track. Yeah. Because if you're talking about a highway, you've got the passing lane and you've got the emergency lane. Yeah. Throw that all of their traffic into the into the emergency lane. Now they're not getting as many hits. Why are they not getting as many hits? Well, because their site's loading so slow. Well, why is our site site loading yeah, so slow? Because they've you been know choked. what I mean. Their bandwidth There's has a been lot choked. With the controls that we've seen, the government, the the power grabs we've seen, the government made, they are forming into a dictatorship. Yeah. They are. They have all it takes is just the wrong person in office. And I don't think Trump is that guy. I don't think Obama was that guy. I don't think Bush was that guy. Neither was Clinton. Neither was Bush before him. The presidents in my history, in my living memory, I don't think conform to the desire to be a dictator. Yeah. Trump is probably the closest to it. But all the building blocks are now in place. All, everything they need for them to want to suddenly take over is right there. Yeah. It's all in place now. So, yeah. we this Now is when we need to be worried about this kind of thing. You know? And what can they do when they control the media? And they do. They control the media. Yeah. Because all they have to do is exercise. They don't, they're not dictating what they say. They're dictating what they don't say, which is tantamount to the same thing. And it starts off slowly. It always does. It starts off slowly. I saw, I went to um, Sundance Film Festival about five years ago, and we saw a documentary about Putin's Russia. Mm -hmm. It was a documentary that was written by a member of the independent press in Russia. And they filmed it. And then at the end of the film, as we're sitting there, you know, they have like, sometimes they'll have the things that come up. What happened to this guy? What happened to that guy? Every single person interviewed in that film was dead by the time that film was finished. Yeah, that's just, that's a scary thing and that's something that we're that could easily happen in a country such as ours where mm -hmm. they are passing laws that are bypassing uh the bill of rights and the constitution and they can um just unilaterally shut people down and make people quote disappear um mm -hmm. like they don't like what we're saying here in this podcast. They could easily shut down all of our financial tools to keep us from broadcasting podcasts. Apple could say, we don't like you. We don't like what you're saying about the government. They can get rid of us off of their, off of their feed easily. And all they have to do is just say, 
um, the FDIC could could just allude to the fact that we're doing something shady. Or oh, not just the FDIC. The I FDIC mean, the could IRS, do that. Period. The, the yeah, the the FDIC, the the IRS. Because got to remember, each each part of the government is not overreaching their bounds. They're exercising the bounds of their powers in conjunction with other powers, right? So right. the IRS under Lois Lerner targeted um, conservative PACs and refused to give them tax-exempt status. Well, that's not a big deal, except if you don't have tax-exempt stat status, you can't donate money right. and you can't raise money for political candidates. So this is one issue. So they were eliminating yeah. a financial source for people that they considered to be their political opponents, okay? Now, if they can do that to them, what's to stop the IRS from going to someone like Google, who's already sympathetic to their goals, to Facebook, who's already sympathetic to their goals? You're talking the biggest search engine in the world and arguably the biggest social media presence in the world and saying, You've got this Fedora Chronicles metaphysical podcast thing. Yeah, shut it down. Yeah, because they're SoundCloud, asking iTunes. Yeah, shut it down. They're asking questions that are very uncomfortable. They're they're posting links. Oh, they don't even tell them that. Yeah, they don't they even have to say anything. Yeah, they just say shut it down. Yeah, I mean, I I think that it's I it's it. We're coming up on the tenth anniversary when I had that. Um, visit from the Department of Homeland Security after I wrote that very critical piece about um, the TSA and they wanted to implement these uh, full body x-ray machines that would take quote nude unquote yep. photos of you and the so-called so porn scanners the yeah. porn scanners and the TSA had said don't worry about your pictures leaking online because our servers are secure how could the TSA say that they have secure servers that are unhackable when at the very same news cycle, there were all these reports on how um, Julian Assange and um, what's the other, what's, what's Skippy's name? Um, Edward Snowden were yes. publishing documents from the CIA and the Pentagon, the Department of Defense, um, the every, yeah. every organization in in the so, federal can of soup on their WikiLeaks servers. You could read whatever it is that you wanted to read. All the secrets were out in the open, and I said, "How can how can they say that they could?" And I had two guys. Two guys came over and they said, "What are you doing? What are you doing with all these computers?" They were literally standing here in this room where I'm recording this podcast, asking me these questions. And then they drove around town to local businesses, asking, "Hey, do you know this Eric Fisk? Is there anything that you could tell us about Eric Fisk that we ought to know?" We're from the Department of Homeland Security, and yeah. uh, you know, one I remember of, that. And one I remember of, you calling me up going, what the fuck? <laughs> exactly. And they sat in my driveway for half an hour just looking at the house, just watching the house. Yeah. And, and see, the thing that kills me is when you look at what the government can do, yeah. right? It asks, it raises a lot of questions about what have they done. Yeah. Oh, it, you know, I mean, now we talk about like aliens and things like that, and it does seem to be that there's there's 
events going on that are actually preparing us for some sort of either big reveal or a visitation or something. Something. Where the government ba basically admits, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how we told you we don't have any aliens on ice or anything like that? Well, that that's because they're not on ice. We, we just keep them in air conditioning because they like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something like that could very well be happening, could be going on. They could be suppressing things that like for example um the smithsonian yeah the smithsonian and and i know i've i've alluded to this and mentioned this in previous episodes but the smithsonian institute had as a policy at least until the early 2000s um i don't know if they still do where any archaeological evidence indicating that the native americans were anything more than savages that had any form of communication of, of written communications had any form of higher societal constructions or quote-unquote advanced civilization it was suppressed and destroyed yeah. it, that was actively done by the smithsonian institute and in the process of that a lot of the first nations peoples have lost a lot of their history and that was done intentionally and by design by policy of the smithsonian institute yeah if we can't trust the Smithsonian fucking Institute, <laughs> how someone like the fucking IRS? Yeah. You know? I mean, seriously, how, how are we going to? The Smithsonian Institute is supposed to be one of the most well-respected non-political entities in the world. And look at the shit that they've pulled. Yeah. You know? So what else are they not telling us? What else are they hiding? You know? We know that they have artifacts from, uh, from Egypt... We know they have artifacts from um, from uh, the Aztecs, the Mayans, the Olmecs, the Toltecs, all of those places in Central and South America. They have artifacts that they're not letting people study. Yeah, they have artifacts that they they have information that could possibly change the way we view our history, and they're not allowing it to be discussed. They're not allowing it to be studied. They're removing it from the equations when people are using all of the information they can to form these opinions and these hypotheses about what was going on. There's a uh, there's a series on Netflix that I think it was written. I think it was actually filmed and written in the uh, the early 2000s because they talk about 2012 like it hasn't happened yet, where they talk about the uh, the pyramid code. Now there's a lot of things that I've looked at and studied about pyramids over the years and some of it they talk about in this and some of the people that they have on the show are are dead now yeah and i don't think there's anything suspicious about their deaths necessarily because they're old people in this film so and when i say old i mean like older than 70 older than 80 once people even in today's world get into that range it's very likely that they just no longer lived you know nothing suspicious needs to happen about it but um a lot of these people you know you got people of them i think graham hancock who was only interviewed briefly in the series of five episodes graham hancock is the only one i i know of that is still alive yeah you know and it just makes you wonder what are they hiding from us and why would they hide things about our past to me the question of why is well the, yeah really pertinent here and the thing is is that i mean it's it does sound like we're getting a little sidetracked here but there is sort of like this super 
layer of secrecy over some of the dumbest stuff. If it, like they hide archaeological finds, and they hide all kinds of other things that well, it's not safe for us to know for whatever reason. Right. Um, and it, it's it and it, it's bothersome to me that you're not allowed to sort of ask certain questions. How is it that they're able to shut people down? Um, well, and, 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 and without a trial, age, without a trial, Jay. Right. And in, in this no, day and age, when you, just looking at just these two articles and piecing together what we know from personal experience as well as just other things that we've read and heard online, it's not that they can't shut you down. It's how do they want to shut you down? Yeah. Which way do they want to use to shut you down? Because if you're a small enough fish, they shut you down with you ever without you ever realizing that they were the ones that shut you down. Exactly. You know what I mean? If you're a business that is dependent upon how many clicks you get and they put you in the internet emergency lane, suddenly you're not getting the clicks and you just, well, I guess, you know, I mean, most people are just going to think, well... I guess there were, wasn't a big enough audience. I overestimated the size of my audience. Bam. Now you're gone. Now your business is done. You've yeah. got to find something else to do, right? And then you want to throw in, um, just to kind of tie in the three things that you sent me to kind of look into, right? Mm -hmm. You tie that into the prevalence of how much we're reading online and um, the next uh, the next story that I, I think we're going to talk about is how there's a difference that goes on in our brains developmentally when we learn to read via a book versus when we yeah. read on a screen. Before you get before and we I, before we move on, Jay, mm -hmm. I want because the I want to make sure that we hammer this point home first before we do anything else. You're at sure. your computer right now. Go to Google right now, mm -hmm. and I and I'm actually sending you a phrase that I want you to search on Google. And I want you to tell me if whether or not if you search the the if you search this phrase and I just sent it to you. Don't say what it is yet. I do not. I see a couple of articles that kind of talk around it. But now search Bing. Ah, uh, Bing. Microsoft's attempt to unseat Google. Oh, look at that. The very first link on the page. What did I ask you to search, Jay? The Fedora Chronicles. The information is not secure. You can't find it searching Google. Nope. But it's the first thing that pops up when you search on Bing. Well, you know, we can trust Google because they have as a mandate to do not to do no evil, right? That's their that's their corporate motto. That used to be our most popular article of all time on the Fedora Chronicles. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, if you just did a search, the information is not secure. That article was the first article that you found. My my article about. Um, not being able to trust the TSA and encouraging you to do your own research mm -hmm. was the most popular article and people had linked to it on various other websites. So yeah. Google wants to pretend that the article does not exist anymore. 
You search now. The question is why, right? Yeah. What is it about that article that is so off-putting to them? Is it because it was written eight years ago? Is it you know? Is or what excuse are they yeah. using? Because I got to tell you, some of the links that came up are just as old as this. So yeah, that one's obviously provably false. But what is it about this article that Google does not want people to know about, but Bing doesn't? Bing doesn't care. DuckDuckGo. If you use DuckDuckGo and you type in the Fedora Chronicles, the information is not secure. Yeah, there's, I've used DuckDuckGo before. Eh, hasn't been. Yep. Again, first, first link that pops up. First link that pops up. Yahoo. First link. What's what's another one of them? Is it is it Tor? So right here while recording this podcast, we just proved that Google will remove web pages that they don't like. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. That's well, it's also something that you and I are not surprised about. No, we're not surprised. I mean, I mean, it's hurtful <laughs> to some extent. Yep. That is true. It is. I mean, I really wish I could say I was surprised by this. Yeah. But I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not. I mean, I don't think anyone listening would say, gee, you sound surprised. You're lying. No. No. No, I'm not surprised. I mean, the thing is, is that, I mean, even it's, it, it's, it's akin to putting your finger in, a, in an active light socket. It's you're, it's still shocking, but I'm not surprised. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I should have known that putting my finger in the light socket was going to have this effect. <laughs> and then if you're anything like me, you do it again just to be sure. Just to be um, sure. Just to be sure. Because <laughs> you never know. Yeah. But yeah. So what is it about this article? So I, I actually... I think you should put a link to this article in, or not necessarily a link, but just the name of the article, the yeah. same thing that you sent me, right? Yeah. And just that way there, the the listeners can go and do their own check yeah. and go onto Google and just see do, what happens, go to, what shows up. Go to Google and, and do it. Yeah, go to Google and do a search for the Fedora Chronicles, the information is not secure, and tell me yep. what comes up. Google, Bing, um, DuckDuckGo. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the other search engines that I've used. Um, yeah, it's yeah, every other search engine besides Google. Besides Google, it's yeah. the it's the one. It's the it's the top one. Yep. That's that's shocking and amazing. It's amazing how here's a, here here's an obvious example of how Google is censoring websites and the thing is is that what what you know what what else are they censoring who else yeah. are they censoring how would you know unless to look for it well the again the question is why so what did I you can search you can search other rants that you've done yeah 
and they come up some of which older than this some of which not some of which newer, yeah. right what is it about this article that would google would want to do it now the other thing to point out is that google has not once ever told the government no when they said we want this information exactly government the google the most google has done is say give me a search warrant give me a reason you know that's the most they've done they've never fought against them to do it apple at least fought against them the one time because you know it was going to give them points uh political points yeah but apple has also complied with everything that the government has asked for as well they've just done more pushback than google has yeah. and they've therefore get more um accolades in the so-called free press so um yeah it's just it's it's this is weird i mean and it's i mean it's an eight-year-old article how could it possibly still be damaging yeah how could how could i have written something that is so dangerous to google i don't think it's dangerous to google who's it dangerous to who do you have two pictures of the the icon for in that article oh obviously i i have a picture of the seal from the department of homeland security mm -hmm. and wikileaks mm -hmm. so my guess is probably dhs or it has something to do with wikileaks yeah because wikileaks has fallen out of vogue they're probably going to come back into vogue as soon as they publish something regarding trump yeah but you know then they'll be heroes again oh yeah but, we're yeah we're past we're past due yeah we're past so. due for them to say something of relevance um by the way i made a mistake because uh -oh. this this article was written in uh december of 2010 so we're coming uh -huh. up on the so we're coming up on the eighth anniversary it was 10 years ago when i had that meeting with a former campaign worker of our then governor now senator and this woman went around to all the bloggers that she could find within the state of New Hampshire and said, this woman has an enemies list and you're on oh. it. I remember that too. I remember yeah. that discussion too. Oh my gosh. It was, and it was right out of, um, uh, They're right out of Orwell. Huh? It was kind of right out of Orwell or, or Kafka. I mean, I mean, yeah. the thing is, is that how, how is it that this guy who does a website about um, pop culture and current events through the lens of amateur historians with a healthy dose of self-deprecating humor so our heads don't get too big is, is a target of the government? And now, granted, I do sneak in some political commentary. Yeah. Once in a while, in some like I, I, I squeezed in some political commentary into my review of Overlord, which is a great movie. It's the best Nazi zombie movie you will ever see. <laughs> you know, it, it's it, it's it's the Citizen Kane of Nazi zombie movies. And uh, I, uh, I'm sorry for me, that's not really a, uh, it's not really an endorsement because I'm not a big fan of Citizen Kane. <laughs> Yeah. No, seriously. Speaking of conspiracies, I think there is a conspiracy wherein if you ever review Citizen Kane in anything other than glowing terms, Hollywood itself 
will rise up against you and smack you down oh, and not oh. give you any accolades in any way, shape, or form. We actually have a film review of Citizen Kane that Doug Palumbo wrote, and he took a lot of heat from that because <laughs> he yeah. didn't think it's all that great. It really isn't. I'm sorry. I I've don't. seen the thing twice. Once because I had to. The other time because my now ex-wife yeah. was curious and was like, well, I've never seen it. Let's watch it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. That if, is, oh. Yeah. It took us five years to watch it. It's a four-hour <laughs> movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Netflix was hounding us. Are you guys going to send this back or you want to just buy it? Yeah, you know? exactly. You oh. should have just bought it. <laughs> you know. Holy cow. It was nuts. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to have a biopic. It's another thing to have a biopic in real time. Because the second <laughs> diarrhea, I could have done without. It's just, it's not. It, oh, my gosh. It's not, it's, it's not that. It's not that bad, I don't think. Well, here's, here's the problem. Here's my problem with it. Yeah. Right? With Citizen um, Kane. We're, gonna, we're, go, we're going off the rails and we're talking about Citizen Kane for a second. We're going off the rails <laughs> just a little bit. I promise we'll get back. Yeah. Citizen Kane is a four-hour movie that could have been told in 90 minutes. <laughs> it's not that four hours. <laughs> no, it is. Look up the runtime for Citizen Kane. I'm doing it right now. Citizen Kane runtime. Oh, my gosh. It's two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously was convinced it was a four-hour-long movie. <laughs> Maybe it's just because it felt like it was five years. Oh, my uh, goodness. Just, oh, my gosh. Just holy. Save yourself a lot of time in aggravation and just just do yourself a favor. If you're going to watch any old-time movie, Casablanca. Oh, Casablanca. Your, your I, Casablanca should be considered the greatest movie of all time, not Citizen Kane. I think that, Oh, it absolutely should. I think that if you're talking about the greatest movies of all time, I think that Citizen Kane, for me, this is my opinion. I'm not yeah. I'm not using my laser pointer to carve this into stone tablets. Okay? <laughs> Citizen in my opinion, Citizen Kane barely breaks into my top 10 movies of all time. But here's the but here Citizen Kane doesn't enter into my top 10 movies of all time. But here's but here's the issue. I don't think Citizen Kane is nearly as good as Miller's Crossing and people fight me over that. Yeah. Well, and it's just my opinion. So speaking of so, I, 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 speaking of opinions, I think that what we do want to sort of end this topic on and make a clean break from this topic is that um, the, gover the federal government has crossed the, the line, with me anyway, with the fact that they can use the tools of the FDIC to shut down people's Well, the FDIC, banking, yeah, the IRS... Um, IRS, the, um, what is it, their technology thing? Um, fuck, I forget. It's it'll, too it'll, much it'll alphabet come, soup. It'll come back to you later. Yeah, well, it'll either come back to me or come back on me, either yeah. way. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many tools they can use to shut down a business or change a business's model, business model, yeah. harm them put them out of business without ever actually directly stepping in and getting involved. Right. All they have to do is say the right things in the right years. And next thing you know, you're no longer getting the clicks you need. Yeah. You're no longer getting the money you need, or you can't process it, or you're having a hard time, you know, 
accommodating your your the things you need to do as a business in order to make yeah. your bottom line. And that's where, in all honesty, things like the Fedora Chronicles, right? Um, you can, you're not expecting to make a lot of money. This no. is a labor of love. Yeah. So as a result, you are somewhat immune to what the government can do, um, but only to an extent because they can still put you on that emergency lane on the internet. Yeah. Thank you, net neutrality. They can still throw you into the slow lane so that when you're trying to broadcast a podcast, you know, you suddenly are going to, things are going to stop. You're going to, we're going to turn into Cylons as, as downloading skips. There's a lot of things that they can do just to make it painful for people to listen, listen yeah. to it. Yeah. So, yeah. No one is immune. And no he, one is and, fully and, immune. and here the thing is, is that we just proved that it is actually happening to us. Yeah, recorded live in front of a studio audience. We just proved that they're the that dogs they're and cats count as a studio audience. I, okay, well, I think it. so. I mean, you know, the, the fish tank here. I got all the fish looking at me. I don't know yeah. if they want it, but uh, oh, and by the way, we got a new fish tank for the office. Um, oh, cool. I'll need pics. Okay, I'll 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 send pics later. But the but the 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 in the audacity is that there was never a hearing. There was never. A tribunal there was never a trial and i was you it's not hard to find me online jay no no it isn't it's not hard i have crazy ex-girlfriends who can find me online people that i never want to talk to ever again can easily find me it's not that damn hard they, and we know the government knows where you live oh yeah they've already visited so why would and they didn't say anything about this article and Google never approached me. Google never said anything. No, oh, well they wouldn't. They would deny it anyway. Look at what's going on with the because uh, remember everyone forgets that Alphabet, which is Google's quote unquote parent company. Yeah, it's really Google. Um, they also own YouTube, and YouTube has been demonetizing certain political viewpoints the entire time yeah. now. They have a right to do that. They're a private industry. They do have a right to do that. Is it right for them to do that is a completely different question with a completely different answer. So, you know, again, their motto self-described is do no evil. And then the first thing they do is evil. So yeah. can't say as I'm buying it. But anyway, let's talk to about how reading via pen and paper is different than reading via uh, an online screen yeah. of any form. Yeah. So we, one of the things that my wife and I had talked about first thing this morning before, um, uh, we, we talked about this during breakfast and she was talking about all these studies that are now coming out saying that screen time is changing our brain's chemistry. And this is an article that I'm linking to. It's from Medium um, and is written by a woman by the name of Marianne Wolf, and she published this earlier this year, August 8th. And the entire premise of, of all of this is that um, reading, reading on, online, reading via a screen is different than reading things on paper. And we, we, we can all relate to this. We can all relate to um, how. Think about how many people do you know that when you say, "Hey, read this ebook," they they will say, "I'd rather I'd rather read a real book." 
How many people do you know say that? Everybody. And how many of them that say that are over the age of, we'll say 30 so we feel better about ourselves? (laughs) Everybody that I know over the age of 30 would rather read a A book, book, like a book book in their hands and not read it as a PDF file. Now, for years, what I've been telling people is there's the tactile experience of reading a book for me is more enjoyable than than scrolling on a screen. And that's what I've been saying. And now this article, she talks about how reading on a book forms different neural pathways than reading on a screen. Mm -hmm. And reading on a screen is not allowing us to process the deeper thinking aspects of the reading experience that we get when we read a book. Yeah. What that means is that we're less critically thinking about what we're reading. And I think anyone who's read any articles online can completely agree with that without having to do any research. Right. We don't approach things from a critical thinking standpoint. But we also don't engage our imagination and creative centers. Mm -mm. And that is something I think is really kind of sad. My kids, all of my kids, prefer to read books in their hands Mm -hmm. than reading on their phones and that's something i'm proud of because one thing that i hear from a lot of people i heard it from all of their teachers in high school your kids have an incredible imagination yeah and both einstein and nikola tesla talked about how important not just imagination but also intuition is being able of gathering disperse facts that seem to be unrelated, correlating them and finding the relation between them. They both spoke of how important that is in the scientific process and in also the coming up with uh, new inventions, right? So these are things that are not going to affect us directly in the next decade, but it's going to affect us in the ne- over the course of the next century. So this is just absolutely fascinating to me because I never it never occurred to me that that would happen. So the thing that, that she talks about specifically is that um, reading on digital formats and daily immersion in a variety of digital experiences impedes the information of the slower cognitive processes such as critical thinking, personal reflection, imagination, and empathy that are all a part of deep reading. So just think about the people that are posting all of those deep thoughts on Facebook about politics. Do they reflect any empathy? Do they reflect any critical thinking, personal reflection or imagination? Not at all. Not at all. So I find this absolutely fascinating. And like you said, Carol had mentioned, this is not the only article that no talks this is about the late she was talking about look the, for it yeah she was talking about the latest article that she read that wound up on, on her uh, her Facebook feed yeah. um, and it, it it's bothersome because a lot of the kids that um, we know through uh, you know the kids schools my son's schools are really having a hard time um, dealing with things that you and I sort of took for granted, like learning how to drive just by doing 
or just learning how to do something just by doing stuff hands-on. Whenever I ask the kids to do something or to help me out with, like building the chicken shed out in our backyard, what's the first thing that they said that they had to do well we got to see if there's any youtube videos on how to build a chicken shed <laughs> you right. know and i'm and I'm, I'm not i'm not being i'm not trying to be hyperbolous here by saying this um well here's the question right i wonder if that's how many people work. have you ever driven in a car with someone under the age of 30 and again i'm only selecting the age of 30 so i can feel better about myself <clears throat> under the age of 30 yeah no they usually will turn on Google Maps, yeah, and put in the location they're going to, even if they've driven there a hundred times. Yeah, and it's—I honestly think it's more habit than anything else. Oh, I totally agree. I completely, totally agree. But right? here's something else. Now, I'm not trying to dig on those stupid millennials, but because, get off my lawn. Well, the thing—the thing that kills me about the whole millennial argument that I, I see people my age complaining bitching and complaining about the millennials and i just look at them and say yeah that's a failure of parenting and they're like i know what the hell's wrong with these parents and i look at them and i say that's us yeah millennials are our children yeah and they look at me no 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 but you can tell it's a no of denial yeah you know it's it's like emperor palpatine just before he gets whacked or <laughs> tries to whack him. Yeah. no no you know it's just no it, it it is it is though it absolutely is those are the ch that means we my generation as parents are failures yeah knowing a lot of people in my generation that really doesn't surprise me but you know there's exceptions to all to to all of these rules my son i built a um we like to play board games and role-playing games yeah and i built a, a tabletop just built something out of wood to so we can have bigger boards for our board games and still right. be able to have like drinks and, and food on the table without getting everything dirty. Mm -hmm. And my son helped me build it. He wanted to be part of that process. And, you know, I love that. I love that he wanted to be a part of that. So to me, that means I'm doing something right. right. If he wants to be part of that tactile experience of building something out of his own two hands that means I've done something right as a parent. Yeah. I have yeah. no idea what, but I did something right. Damn you it. Did, yeah. You know, the fact that my children prefer reading books to just reading online also alludes to that. I'm very, very proud of my children because right. they're all very smart, well-spoken, well-read individuals. They don't always agree with me. And I like that they don't agree with me because when they don't, they're not just saying, well, that's stupid. Right. What they're saying is, I disagree with you because what about this? They, and what about this? And have you thought about that? Right. They're able to support their arguments. And that, I think, is more important than agreeing with me. They should agree with me because that would be a greater indication of their higher intelligence. But that's okay. <laughs> you, say that, that you say now. that flippantly, though. Right. But they can they can support their argument. And it's it's interesting to me because one of the differences between my kids and other kids of their generation when they were younger is my kids did not get a lot of screen time. Mm, yeah. There was a lot more reading. There was a lot more. We would go to my parents' house on the weekends and they would play in the same woods I grew up playing in. You know, so I, my personal experience, even though it's purely anecdotal, is that this is, this is right. 
because the differences between my kids and there are times like my daughter came back from college and she was complaining about the college kids her age she's like what is it with these people they don't yeah. they don't think for themselves you know what i mean and she didn't necessarily disagree with what their points were yeah but the she tried would have a discussion now bear in mind they're agreeing on their on the topic yeah they have the same point of view and she was frustrated because they couldn't explain why they felt that way. And they would look at her like she had three heads when she would ask why. Yeah. Really? You you can't explain why? You've got to make her feel like she's doing something wrong because right. you can't support the thought process behind your point of view? That says more about them than it does about her. And yeah, so this this was absolutely fascinating to me. And... I did do a quick search on it and there's, there are, I mean, there's people doing these studies where yeah. they have MRIs and all this other kind yeah, of stuff. It's a lot. There's a lot of things that a lot of studies that um, have demonstrated how too much screen time has been doing a number on kids rewiring their brains. And also the thing, it's not just, well, not just kids, but adults too. Adults too, but especially kids. And the, and the thing yeah. is, is that we also have that notion of instant gratification. We want what we want and we want it now. If I mm -hmm. want to watch a, an episode of Dr. Who, I can go to, you know, to my laptop or I can go to the widescreen TV in the other room and I could watch mm -hmm. any episode throughout the entire history of Doctor Who. I can watch right now, whether it's on Amazon or BritBox, and it and it and it, and it doesn't matter. Um, and I don't even have to collect the episodes on Medium. I can yeah. watch anything, and I can do it now. And one of the, the things that I have noticed is how kids are getting frustrated with the fact that a movie that is in the theaters now they can't see now here at home they want it like immediately um right and they want to be it's more than the one of the things i loved about the theater that i've since kind of fallen out of love with yeah. is the whole experience of going to the theater right of you know you go and you get candy or soda or in my case you would hide that stuff in an oversized jacket even though yeah. it's 115 degrees outside and go into the movie theater and, you know, you eat, you're kind of socializing for a little bit, you watch your movie, you, you leave the movie and you're talking about it. That process for me is no longer enjoyable. And I don't know if it's because I'm just, you know, kind of old. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm closer to 50 than I am 40 now. And is I don't know if that has anything to do with it. If I don't know if it's the whole get out of my lawn factor. Um, it might. It might be. It, or it might just be that, you know, I kind of like the idea of sitting in my house in my freaking pajamas and watching a movie. And you know what? If I got to go pee, I hit pause and I don't miss anything. And it, I, you know? we are getting spoiled. We are. We absolutely are. But at the same time, we don't, those experiences don't have to completely spoil it. Um, I have a friend from Massachusetts who's flying out to visit us after Christmas. And one of the things they want to do is they like, they're like, I want to see the mountains. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, you, you want to see the Rocky mountains from my house? He's, she's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, step out the front door and turn right. There's the Rocky mountains. You want to go driving in them? Yeah. yeah go okay. now. What do you want to do? What do you want to do after lunch? <laughs> and, and, and we can get up in the morning and be in the mountains and, 
go up in elevation up to 3000 feet in elevation and be back in time for lunch. You know, and it, what happens to having like experiences that you don't have to share on social media? Um, one of the things well, that hey, Pixar didn't happen, man. Huh? Yeah. Pixar, Pixar, it, Pixar, Pixar, it didn't happen. Um, and I, and I never know what's, how, how to, how to say this. Cause here's a guy myself who runs a small internet media company and I have to keep engaging with the audience through Twitter or Facebook or uh, Instagram to remind people, hey, I'm still here. I'm still here. And it gets tiring after a while. I retired from Facebook since I think Wednesday. And the only thing that I've done on Facebook is just promote this podcast and promote the other stuff that I'm doing on the Fedora Chronicles. And my depression is slowly starting to disappear. And I've, <laughs> I've lost a couple of pounds on top of it as well. And it was um, my anger and frustration level has diminished. Um, and one of the things that I have spoken to, uh, and I've spoken to a lot of people about this, is that um, I, think, I, I think that social media, constant use of social media, is making us stupid and making us angrier. We talked about it, whether it was last week or the week before how rage is making us stupid, and we have we get into these dumb arguments on Facebook. Joe Joe Rogan was talking about this on an episode of his podcast this earlier this week, talking about how people are like on Facebook arguing about some of the dumbest things that you could possibly imagine. One of my favorite arguments to see people lose their minds over is the debate about whether or not Indiana Jones's socks were black or dark brown in Raiders of the Lost Ark during the, the desert chase scene. How, how, does it, how does that matter to you? And we wonder why mass shootings are going up. I mean, oh my God. people are losing their minds over, and I know that I'm going to take some heat from some of my Indiana Jones cosplay friends, but people are losing their minds over things that really do not matter. I, I And I wonder, are we going to lose listeners because you will not submit to the fact that Citizen Kane is the greatest movie ever made? I worry about that kind of stuff. <laughs> you worry about whether or not people are going to take something too personally because they cannot differentiate the fact that you're using sarcasm. Well, it, now here's the other thing too, right? Um, why is it we have so much personally invested in something we had nothing to do with personally? How more passive can you get than watching a movie? So what does it really matter if Indiana Jones' socks were brown or black? Well, for people who cosplay, They were actually white. Important. He just hadn't washed them off. But anyway... <laughs> I think that I, but I mean, for me, I think that it was like people will fight and argue about the 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 ending scene in Inception, and what the, what does the scene mean? And if you think the scene means one thing, it means that the entire movie means something else. Well, here's the problem, though. Here's the problem. It's art. Art 
is up for interpretation. I, yeah. That is the essence of art. If I listen to a song, I get some different emotional response to that song than someone else who listens to that same song. Yeah. That is what makes it art. Art engages your emotions. It engages your intellect, hopefully, not always. But because of that, what you're experiencing, how you're feeling when you first started that experience with that art, whether that art was going to a museum, watching a movie, listening to music, whatever, whatever art form it was, your emotions at that time you first experienced it are going to be forever tied to that piece of art afterwards because of the way our cognitive processes work in our brain. Okay, that's where this this screen time thing is really, to me, kind of scary because we are losing our capacity to appreciate art. Art yeah. is something, art, creativity, imagination, these are things that are being increasingly downplayed in importance in our society. And that is detrimental. We are never going to have another renaissance like we had in the whenever it was 1600s 1500s whatever the fuck it was i don't remember um we're not going to have that because it was it was brought about by the artists of the time and there's a lot of people who will say there there will never be another michelangelo of course there won't mm -mm. our society will not let there be another Michelangelo. There will never no. be a Leonardo da Vinci because our society lacks the ability for a Leonardo da Vinci to become known yeah. and to get out there. Um, I find it interesting to talk to musicians, uh, local musicians, and then seeing interviews with like nationally known musicians. Most of the local musicians that I know are absolutely phenomenal yeah. at their craft, at their art. They yeah. are awesome at it. There is a guy who lives a couple of towns north of me. He's an older guy. Um, I met him because uh, the bar that I used to go to jam night at did a, a benefit concert for him, and it it ended with a jam night um, to help him pay for his medical bills for the cancer he was fighting. Yeah. This guy is a singer and a guitarist, and he can play almost any song you can mention he can play on the guitar mm -hmm. either by ear or from memory and he knows the lyrics and he, he's just absolutely phenomenal and he's not the best he, he's i would say he's probably the second or third best guitarist i know of the local musicians the guy who i think is the best guitarist is a guy he has polio and he's just phenomenal just a he's just a a great guy awesome musician and he, this guy can play anything he can play anything and not just play it but play it well you know and with his own spin on it why don't we celebrate people like that because why they're, don't, because they're not sensational in front of a camera that that has a lot to do with it well i disagree with that because how many people, I mean, gr granted, there's the whole, 
you know, the music video thing and MTV really changed the face of music in right. some ways because of it. You know, I mean, look what happened with the cars. They were an awesome band. And then, you know, oh shit, he's ugly as hell. Fuck yeah, that. So, yeah. um, but beyond that, why does it have to, why do we, why in our society today do we, we have to have that? There's not a lot of people out there who are both good at what they do artistically and look good. Well, speak right? for yourself. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I am totally speaking for myself. But, <laughs> you know, in all seriousness, though, I mean, I, I, I joke about the cars, but what changed? Yeah. What changed was they released a video where they actually showed themselves. Yeah. You know, Dire Straits, the same thing. Dire Straits had dozens and dozens of music videos and great songs and awesome hits. Mark Knopfler is one of the best guitarists in the industry. You know, then they started doing like interviews with him and people were like, hmm. Yeah. He's kind of ugly, ugly over there. That's just, mm, we can't, mm. we can't have that. Yeah. Why? I look you close at your eyes. You listen, you listen to the soundtrack to the princess bride. Yeah. It's just him on a guitar watching the movie and playing music. Right. And it changes your mood. It changes how you view the how you view the movie, how you view the scenes. Well, Jay, here's another thing. How is it that that women like Katy Perry are famous and popular? I've tried listening to her music, and I can only get through maybe like a song or two. Why is she popular? There are some of her songs. I don't. I, again, I, I kind of look at things a little differently because of my musical experience, right. but um. I don't care for her as a person. I really don't. Um, some of her songs, the songs like Firework, yeah, has a wonderful message behind it. Right. It really does. Baby, you're a firework. Yeah. Go on and show them what they're worth. You know, what you're worth. You know, I mean, it's it's uplifting. It's a very positive it, message. It is. But so I think I think that has something to do with it. But at the same time, then they do an interview with her, and I listen to her. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. She's easy not on the right. eyes, though. And I think that's, well, the re- that's the reason why she is a superstar. The truth is, is like um, the, the hashtag Me Too movement is cutting both ways. Oh, right? yeah. You had these old guys that were in charge of these conglom- these media conglomerates that got these young starlets to do what they wanted, and they pinched their noses and held their breath, and they did what what they needed to do yeah. to get into the positions they are. And now that they're in those positions, they can now persecute those people who took advantage of them, and rightfully so. Oh, absolutely. Finally, rightfully so. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is, is the way those industries work has not changed. It I, has not changed. You have got to do something for the person in order for them to get your music out there. The music industry has decided what is palatable to the audiences yeah. across the world, and they push forward those those songs. Yeah, all of all of the major hits of the last twenty years were written by two people. All of them. Yeah. All of the major hits were written by two people in the last 20 years. You can look this up online. And what it is, is that there's a chordal progression that they use. It sounds vaguely familiar, which makes you want to listen to it because you want to find out what's going on. Because you're like, oh, have I heard this before? Did I like it? So it, it piques your curiosity. You then listen to it, and by repetition of listening to the same songs, you begin to like those same songs. Because again... 
it's art. What you're feeling at the time you listen to it is going to affect your feelings after you when you listen to it again, right? So yeah. eventually, if they play it often enough, you're going to hear that song when something good is happening in your life. And most people are hardwired to remember the good things over the bad things, right? Yeah. So they're going to remember the good experiences they had listening to that song. So when they hear that song again, they're going to associate it with good feelings. Mm -hmm. It's a science. It is a science. And there are recording industries decide who the new hits are going to be. And for a while, YouTube was a way of getting around that. Unfortunately, YouTube also revolted in us having Justin Bieber. So I hold yeah, that against them personally. Yeah. But beyond that, Justin Bieber, as a musician, as a singer, mm -hmm. has a great head for melody. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he does. And I he has a talented voice. He does. Okay. I despise him and I despise his music. But I recognize the talent that he has, and I recognize the skill that he has. But it, the truth is, is people like Katy Perry exist because someone wanted her to be popular. Yeah, it's because it, like it, it's wow. That was a segue. Holy that, shit! <laughs> <laughs> <off topic. laughs> the next topic. I I forgot what's what's the next topic. The next topic was the sun that China's building. The entire notion that they have built a. Um, They've built an artificial sun in a lab somewhere that reached up to a million degrees means that now we can have affordable, uh, possibly. possibly affordable fusion energy. And I think that that is, it's, I think it's going to revolutionize so many different aspects of, um, of our society if we can get cheaper energy that is not... Well, that's here's, not here's yeah. the thing here's the thing right mankind has been pursuing f cheap energy for decades if not hundreds of years right certainly since the advent of the electronic age or the electrical age we have been searching for a way of creating energy that is both efficient and inexpensive okay yeah um you know we can talk about the 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 what they call it, the the voltage wars or whatever it was mm -hmm. between Tesla and um and um what's his name? Everyone thinks he invited invented the light. Uh, Edison. Edison, thank you. Between Edison and Tesla, we can argue about that mm -hmm. all we want. But the truth of the matter is that we have been wanting as we want an energy cheap. Tesla found a way to do it. Mm-hmm with the um i'm forgetting the name of it though it was the one that he went through with westinghouse the thing he did with with westinghouse where he ended up mortgaging the place because he went bankrupt um he found a way to not only generate power cheaply but also transmit it and make it freely available without needing the infrastructure of wires it started off with the experiments that he was doing in Colorado. It ended up with the place, I think it was in Long Island, New York. And because it wouldn't make money, it got shut down. Westinghouse pulled funding on it because mm -hmm. he couldn't make he couldn't recover his his investment. Which is understandable from a businessman standpoint. I, I get that. So ever since then, we've been trying to find ways of getting free energy. And the, the ir ironic thing to me is that we have things like um, the hydrogen fuel cells. It is possible to have gas stations 
that generate and recreate hydrogen fuel cells and there would be no need to ship gasoline in tankers yeah. because your pump where you are at is generating and refilling all of those fuel cells 24 hours a day, seven mm-hmm. days a week, mm-hmm. right? And it would be no different. You would still be pumping it into your car. The process itself would be slightly different on the inside, but for us, you know, the stupid consumer, it would be identical. Our infrastructure would be completely impervious to most anything in terms of that, our fuel infrastructure, simply because all it takes is electricity to refill those fuel cells. It doesn't have a lot of chemical requirements. It's not dangerous. However, it's been shot down. Yeah. It's been shot down because, you know, for whatever reason, big oil. It's dangerous. It's dangerous to the establishment. It's dangerous to the establishment and to the established hierarchy, right? Yeah. Same thing with solar cells, right? Solar cells used to be, you know, the great wave of the future. You could set up solar cells on your roof and have enough power and refill your batteries. And, you know, if you had electric cars, you could power your entire house and and your electric cars and be able to travel anywhere in the world, all based on solar technology. So what would happen to your electric company at that point? Oh, oh, it was, yeah. I mean, we, and we've had these fights. We have these arguments here in New Hampshire of all things, whereas um, there are certain things that you're not, you're not allowed to do. You're not allowed to have, um, solar cells and you're not allowed to have windmills that will generate electricity for you um, because it, what's, what it is going to do for the infrastructure and how it's going to undermine everybody else's electric, um, electrical supply. And I was listening to somebody who used to be the town administrator about why there are such restrictions on having renewable energy sources on your own property and the 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 constant thing was uh, you know talking about the infrastructure and talking about we don't have the infrastructure for that yet and i'm I'm thinking about it and it and it was just like if you want to live out in the middle of the woods where you can't it's you can't have electrical lines um installed between the local phone pole and where you are and you want to have your own electricity and you want to get your, your internet off of the satellites and stuff like that they don't allow you to do that because of infrastructure problems and i'm thinking if you if you want to be off the grid you can't do that because it poses some kind of threat or danger to the infrastructure that you're not even attached to and I was like, listen to this. And it was like, this woman was talking around in circles. And it was, and how you living on the grid and not off the grid is beneficial to everybody, including you. And there was a farmer who had lost a whole bunch of livestock um, during the, the ice storm of 2008 because he could not get the electricity to pump the water to... Um, to take care of his livestock and he lost half of his herd yeah. and it and it was like he wants a, a a backup you know backup solar panels and um and a wind and a windmill 
to generate his electricity. And, there, and he was told he couldn't do that because of reasons. And he yeah. lives so far, you know, he lives in an area where the power could easily go out again. Um, and he, he wants to have, well, you need to get a, you need to get a, an electric generator. How is an electric generator okay, but, but a, 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 an electrical windmill is not? How is a yeah. wind turbine a problem? And then people are saying, well, what about the tourists and the blight? They don't want to see that. And I'm like, are you, you're insane. You're yeah. insane that tourists. NIMBY, not in my backyard. Tourists would rather see um, the, the nuclear power plant melt down um, instead of seeing um, windmills everywhere. And have you seen how artists are able to make these whimsical looking um, uh, uh, wind turbine blades that that look like they you know look like works of art when they're standing still or they look like works of art when they're moving and it was like we can't apply that thought that 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 technical expertise to making art on the landscape and people are like oh what about the tourists that's a big and that's also a huge thing in vermont whereas you have to worry about whether or not that's the kind of blight that you want tourists to see or not you can have solar panels but you they can't be visible for the road because of the tourists that is crazy that's insane but then you also now, have to here's, here's the thing right because you're in new hampshire you're yeah. in southern new hampshire most tourism in that area is going to be based on the foliage and the scenery. Yeah. So which is going to be more of a turnoff for a tourist going to see those sorts of things? Is it going to be that you have a solar panel on your roof? Yeah. Or is it going to be the endless telephone and power lines that are it's crisscrossing all, yeah, and it, screwing it, up their freaking... It's, it's craziness. Their images, you know? Yeah. It, it, you feel Yeah. It's crazy drives me nuts drives me nuts it is it's it's craziness and how and how and how does this happen <laughs> you know yeah i'm it's just a good question yeah that's a good question i mean now here's the thing that i fishing to me is more important in terms of mankind's future exploration right with fish and energy, you're looking at being able to explore the depths of the ocean mm -hmm. or the far reaches of outer space without having to worry about fuel. Yeah. Okay. That's that's where fission, to me, is most important. Because a fission reactor providing power on Earth still involves power cables, still involves centralized infrastructure, still involves all these things which are, in my opinion, bad for various reasons. Yeah. Um, for example, um, one of the things that in this article on in Newsweek that you sent that you have a link to, mm -hmm. um, one of the side articles is that a the secret of efficient nuclear f fusion may be magnet. Mm -hmm. So, just so that everyone understands, um, plasma is like the the state of matter. That is basically when you're looking at fire, it's the fire itself is mm -hmm. plasma. Yeah. Lightning. When you look at a lightning bolt, that light that you're seeing is made up of plasma. Mm -hmm. And 
magnetism affects that electromagnetism affects now plasma due to its very nature is the reason because of plasma when you look at the sun the ball ball of the sun is plasma and we get these solar flares it's because of the nature of plasma okay so one of the problems with a fission reactor is being able to control that plasma so you don't have effectively a plasma flare that reaches out at you know 150 million degrees and destroys the housing surrounding that fission reactor yeah god forbid you have you have a containment breach right exactly um the other thing we need to remember is that the magnetic poles on the earth are protecting us from a vast number of things from outer space one of the things that our magnetic field surrounding the earth protects us from is harmful radiation mm -hmm. magnetism is one of the fundamental uh, forms of energy in physics yeah. electromagnetism so magnetism affects plasma magnetism affects radiation magnetism affects a whole lot of things yeah and what do you get when you transfer power through a copper cable which the vast majority of our of our our power cables are still made from copper is you get an electromagnetic field it generates an, an electromagnetic field that's how electric motors work how does that affect life right yeah the answer to that is have you ever seen a tree with its branches overhanging an electrical cable particularly the more powerful power cables right yeah no you don't see the that leaves, a lot yeah you don't see it a lot because that electromagnetic field destroys that life yes okay? it destroys the trees the trees closest to the power lines change color first yeah they do that's just how it is you and i grew up in new england we know that's a fact because new england actually has trees unlike utah which is like oh we have pictures of trees <laughs> yeah but yeah the <laughs> so electromagnetism is something that is very very important and we do not frankly understand it well enough okay that's one of the things why um i think it was in the um one of the world's fairs that nikola tesla did he sat down next to a tesla coil with bolts of lightning artificial lightning mm -hmm. shooting out all over the place and calmly read a book and didn't worry about getting struck if you go to a Tesla coil, there's places you can go where you can actually sit in a Faraday cage next to a Tesla coil. And it's an amazing experience. But at the same time, you have to be in the Faraday cage when they turn it on or you have to be far enough away. Nikola Tesla was not in a Faraday cage and he was sitting within a yard or two of the Tesla coil itself. What today considered to be the danger zone. Yeah. And he never got struck by lightning and he did four shows a day. Yep. An hour each. So clearly he understood it a lot better than other people. And when I say other people, I mean any other person in the world. He understood it much better than we do. Yeah. And I think electromagnetism, once we get the handle on it, that's going to allow us to make a bunch of leaps and bounds in technological advances with nuclear fusion and nuclear fission, right? We're going to be able to do that. Um, now, fusion is when you're combining atoms. Fission is when you're breaking the atoms. Of the two, fusion is considered to be by far the more powerful and the safest way to do it. 
except for that pesky plasma problem where it's going to shoot out randomly and casually destroy things like you know like it does so um i think whereas it's exciting to see this happening i think it's also a little bit on the scary side because how is that going to affect things surrounding it in 10 years are we going to hear about all of these scientists that are involved in this all are all dying off of cancer but who knows you know we don't know who knows? presumably they're taking safety precautions but it's china mm, who knows yeah they I've, could be they yeah. may not be i don't know so i think this is exciting but i think this is not a panacea for our personal energy problems that we're going through i think this is more exciting in terms of powering big powerful ships that we can use for exploring space whether manned or unmanned yeah and and what i mean once again who, nobody nobody knows what's going to happen within the next 10 or 20 years with technology <laughs> like this nobody five you can't you can't even five you, years you cannot predict what's going to happen next and nobody nobody in their wildest dreams could have predicted um how the smartphones were going to change every aspect of society you could not have predicted that um when we were kids look at it look at the internet oh absolutely the internet wasn't even something that was considered the only science fiction book i read that even had anything close to the internet was orson scott card's um ender series right ender's game and all of that he was the only one that had anything close to the internet yeah until i want to say probably the early 80s maybe mid 80s by then computer networking was a thing that was that was already established mm -hmm. so they just took it and extrapolated it yep but even then who could have predicted how much our entire lives would have changed as a result of it Nobody could have changed. Nobody could have. I mean, maybe very few people could have predicted it, and very few people could have predicted the fact that with the with the invention of this internet thing, you could have people doing audio shows that they could put on online, and and dozens of people can listen to it all over the globe. Who would have thought that would have been possible? Who knows yeah. what kind of spinoff technology we're going to have from... So, so, wait, 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 wait. We have more than a dozen listeners now? <laughs> yes. That's cool. That is cool. <laughs> Thanks to your mom telling everybody, oh, you should hear my boy, Jay. Yeah, well, you know, in, in a few years, will probably get the rest of my cousins in there, which means we might even have like over 50, so... Yeah. But <laughs> I, I I think that it's 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 extraordinary um, how... People are looking at certain technologies as this is going to solve one problem. And in fact, what it's going to do is that it is going to uh, create a whole bunch of other problems as well and, and solve some other problems. Who, who knew that you could make money using your cell phone and your car to drive for a, um, uh, a ride-sharing program who knew you could do that and right. with these other um now here's here's the other thing to, to throw a kink in the works and and yet kind of bring things full circle because most children nowadays are re getting their reading done through screen time yeah and because these studies are showing these problems that are resulting as uh, that are coming about as a result of that what does that say about future technological advances that tells me, without imagination, without creativity, 
without being able to problem solve and do that critical deep thinking, we're going to see advances in technology until the people who are have never read a physical book but read everything online, yeah. until those people are the majority. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to see those technological advances slow down, if not stop entirely. I doubt they'll stop entirely because human nature being what it is, there's always going to be one or two people out there. They'll be the next Elon Musk or Nikola Tesla yeah. who will be out there and they will buck the trend and they will they will lead the way. But it will be only one or two people like that. It won't be entire generations. I mean, if you look at like Operation Paperclip, that really kind of got is what got us to land on the moon. Right. That was not just Werner von Braun. That was a number of very talented and intelligent and creative scientists all working together to achieve that in less than 10 years. We went from being able to launch rockets to putting a man on the moon and bringing them back to Earth safely. That was a, that was a brain trust. That was yeah. a lot of people working together, solving problems. If you have just one person, there's only so much that one person can do. Right. If you have just two or three people with the way that our environment is socially and in business and all that, chances are they're not going to be working together. Yeah. So that means what they can, if, can you imagine what we would have been able to accomplish if Edison and Tesla had continued working together instead of being at odds with each other? Yeah. How would that have changed our world? It, so, it, it would have changed our world a lot. Exactly. So the fact that this this fu- this fusion breakthrough happened in China, and I I think we we kind of have been remiss in not mentioning that that mark of one hundred million degrees that yeah. they reached. I thought it was just a is, million. It was a hundred million degrees centigrade. One hundred million degrees centigrade. The core of our sun is 15 million degrees centigrade. Yeah. So that's that's like a factor of it, what? It, right here. It just says here, China's artificial sun achieves temperatures of 100 million degrees in nuclear fusion breakthrough. That's six times as hot as the center of the sun. That's incredible. That's insane. That's insane. We can do that on Earth, right? Now we can do so, that on Earth. Yeah. So now we have these these things coming along because of the impact of basically e-readers and Mm -hmm. and people using television screens to do everything instead of actually reading in books. We're going to see all these great scientific advances start coming to an end because they lack the creativity to try and figure out what next they can do with it. Mm -hmm. And the, the other result is going to be that they're not going to be able to fix it if it goes wrong unless it's been documented well. As someone who works in an engineering field, I can tell you documentation is not a strong suit of anyone. Yeah. So there is that. And then you add into it what we were talking about earlier with what the government can do. Now, is does the government have an interest in allowing a fusion reactor to be to work properly in the United States? Yeah. If you want to get into conspiracy theories, why did Chernobyl go bell? So you think that Chernobyl was sabotaged, or that's a conspiracy theory that I have heard time and time again. It is. It, it's one I've heard. I don't necessarily, I haven't really looked into it. It's So it's it's a conspiracy theory that I don't really have an opinion on, other than to say it's a conspiracy theory. Um, I Do I think it's unlikely? No. 
do I think it's likely? No, I think it's it's possible. I don't. Yeah. Um, the U.S. government had a vested interest in not allowing or to hamper Russia's nuclear programs as much as possible. So it is possible that we've done that we did something that may have resulted in it. Whether it was intentional that it went, you know, it basically blew up like that. Who knows? We had recently gone through the Three Mile Island disaster, so you know, I, I could I could definitely see someone in government saying, "Well, we had our disaster. It's time for them to have theirs." I you think, I mean? yeah, and a lot of people have said that I have talked to on this topic. Um, there are there are locations throughout the country, whereas if there was a nuclear disaster. Um, it would be devastating not just to the United States, but to the, the rest of the world. Like there is a nuclear power station, and I don't want to go off on, on an extra long ta- tangent. There is a nuclear power station not too far um, from New York City, and it's upriver in the Houston. If that were to go Fukushima, um, which mm-hmm. may, may or may not be likely. I don't know. I'm not a nuclear physicist, nor do I pretend to play one on TV. But if it that's upriver from New York City. And if this nuclear power plant had an incident, it would devastate the global economy because so many um, uh, banks have their corporate headquarters in Manhattan and the surrounding area. Uh, right. Now, one of the things that is that is dealt with in, in my industry is what's called business continuity. Mm-hmm. So most companies, um, the federal government actually requires um, banks and certain major companies to actually have a plan in place for what happens if you lose your central office mm-hmm. kind of a thing. So I think that danger is not as major as perhaps people think it is because much like the federal government which has a plan to continue to continue in perpetuity barring any foreseeable disaster including a zombie apocalypse which i personally think is hilarious i want to know what their plans are for the vampire yeah they apocalypse. have hey they have they have a contingency they do plan. have they do have plans for it a lot of certainly the major corporations the biggest corporations also have similar plans mm-hmm so I don't think it will be as I'm not saying it won't be a big impact. I just don't think it will be as big as it's necessarily being played up to be. That being said, it's the government, right? Who and, knows? And look, yeah. at, look at the first you know, 20 minutes we talked about on this show. What is the government capable of doing? The government is capable of greatly influencing businesses mm-hmm. and shutting them down, you know, um, the deep state, if you will, is left-leaning by its very nature of being a deep state. They believe that the government has the solutions and the government knows better than any individual out there does. So as a result of that, they exert their influence domestically and internationally in such a way that everything is starting to lean to the left. So people who are of a more conservative nature, such as you and I, are always going to be in the minority. Um, in terms of big popular voices anyway. Um, Libertarians, for example, are self-destructive by nature, and I am a libertarian, simply because we believe in smaller government, and because we believe in smaller government, none of us ever want to run for our because we don't want to be a part of the government. No. 
The people who run for government believe government can provide a solution. Therefore, they tend to fall more in the authoritarian side of the political paradigm. And when I talk about political paradigm, I talk about the two-axis political paradigm, not the just one-axis political paradigm. Um, because people are more authoritarian that get into government is the reason why the government has not shrunk in the past hundred years. Yeah. There's been no reduction in the size of government. George Bush, who everyone said was an evil conservative, even though he wasn't, he was a capitalist. There's mm -hmm. a distinct difference. Um, presided over the biggest increase in the size of federal government when he created the Department of Homeland Security. So people who get involved in government tend to believe government is the solution. So there's no, just by their nature of the beast, there's no one that's going to be involved in government that has an interest in reducing the size of government. That's why things are written the way they are. That's why we're seeing uh, things like the FDIC and the IRS exerting their influence over people they view to be their political enemies. I don't think there's anything malicious and evil about it other than they view it as a threat to their existence and they're trying to eliminate it. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and now we've got people who are building suns. Yeah. And they control it. I don't know. I don't know either. Tell you what, the first plasma burst that goes out from it, it's, it's going to eliminate a lot of that technology. There's going to be a lot of cheap real estate around that after that happens. Oh, yeah. And the sun also, our electromagnetic field protects us. The majority of the radiation it protects us from is generated by our sun. Mm -hmm. Is that what's being generated here? How are they shielding from it? Are they properly shielding from it? There's a lot of questions. We don't know the answers. Yeah. It's an in a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting <laughs> topics, Jay. Today that we've covered, we've covered a lot of ground. We're all over the map. Yeah. Sorry, I know we should probably try and be more on target, but yeah. Well, th it was we had a lot of things happening all over the, uh, all over the, uh, all over the map today. So, yeah. anyway, Jay, thank you for an awesome show, and um, we're going to talk to you next week. And who knows what's going to happen? We might actually hear about a containment breach in China. That, that, that vaporized the entire village um, and they don't know I hope not happened. I hope I, not but it'll be interesting to see what happens man it would be I'll talk to you later Jack. All right. have a good one thanks, thanks Eric. bye this has been the metaphysical connection podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes Google Play or Player FM you can find our podcast via your Apple Android or Windows devices using those services and more. If your favorite podcast service or program doesn't feature us, let us know by shooting us an email via info at thefedorachronicles.com. You can be a part of the Metaphysical Connection by subscribing to the Fedora Chronicles Network on Twitter through at Fedora Chronicle. There you will find jazz-era counterculture, vintage threads, lost history, conspiracies, the paranormal, and space news. You can also join our Facebook group at facebook.com groups The Metaphysical Connection. Both platforms are great ways to join our growing community, connect with other friends of the show, and find out what's coming up in next week's episode. Most importantly, you can support the show by hitting the Patreon button on all of our show pages, metaphysicalpodcast.com. Patreons of the show get specials such as getting the podcast a day before the rest of the audience, heads up about future episodes, and other exclusives. 
Want some metaphysical connection swag of your own? Get your own damn metaphysical connection coffee mugs, t-shirts, keychains, and barbecue aprons at our Zazzle page. My house is full of them. Yours should be too. Find them at www.zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Don't forget to check out our show sponsor, the Trinity Whip Company. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship, and form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Brunning. Find his products at www.trinitywhipco.com. This is Carol Fisk thanking you for listening and signing off. Until next time, keep your chin up and your bra, excuse me, fedora on. <laughs>